Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. And, uh, welcome back, season 11, episode 11. 4. We just did three oh. full episodes of planes, and plane chase, and the fun of plane chase, and now plane chase is, uh, dead. No more plane chase talk on this podcast. We're just going to go talk about cards that are only half the size of a plane chase card. <laughs> we're going to talk about cards that were printed well before plane chase was even a sparkle in little wizard's eyes. Was it? I don't know. I'm when not was, exactly when sure was when the first plane chase came out. 2010? It was Zendikar. The first one was Zendikar? Yeah. Okay, well... And yeah, pre, uh, and these cards are all pre-Plane Chase. Plane Chase was 2009, September 4th, okay. 2009. Yeah. Um, all right. With, it, it was, it was in conjunction with, uh, yep, the, the, uh, our first, I guess, uh, expedition to Zendikar. Right. Um, but it, 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 that doesn't matter. We're not talking about Plane Chase today, because today... Even though it's episode four, is a Temple's Treasures episode. And you know what that means? Maybe you don't. If you don't, it's uh, we talk about cards that are criminally underplayed uh, and old. We talk about old cards. Uh, we have, uh, what, almost 30,000 magic cards now. And we look at uh, cards that maybe you don't know about. Maybe you're Maybe you play and... Somebody's like, ooh, what is this? Uh, and reads it, you know? That yeah. that kind of thing. That's that's the moments we live for, baby! Yes. Um, so we've looked at cards uh, that are all older than 8th edition. So yes. in other words, remember the retro frames from the Brothers no. War Commander sets? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what these cards originally looked like, except they didn't call them retro. They called them magic cards. The frame. The frame. You're telling me. You're telling me that that retro frame is actually based on something. The retro frame is based on something. So these I are cards that were originally printed prior to Eighth Edition. I think some of them have seen a reprint since then, but they're all prior to Eighth Edition. Uh, this particular show, we're going to talk about white instance. Yeah. So only white instance, only pre Eighth Edition. Oh, one more caveat. It can't be in more than 2,000 decks on EDH Rec. As of recording. Because we know that recording. once you guys hear about these cards, zoom to the top. Yes. We just wanted to, so. uh, you know, polish up these little these little stinkers and uh, really, really show you guys what you're missing uh, in maybe your bulk bins, in your collection. Things that get glossed over. And, I mean, like Bruce said... First printing has to be before 2008. Uh, and we emphasize that because if it's been printed since and you're still not playing it, why not? You know? For instance, why don't we talk about your first card? My first instant is. Yes. Uh, it's four and a white, which, yes, you're telling me, telling me that's too much for an instant. I'm telling you, you're wrong. That's fine. That's, that's, uh, that's banishing light uh, mana right there. Uh, but I'm telling you that this card is free. 
It's called Scars of the Veteran. It's an instant, and it says, You may exile a white card from your hand rather than pay this spell's mana cost. Free, Free baby! baby. Prevent the next seven damage that would be dealt to any target this turn. If it's a creature, put a plus zero, plus one counter on it for each one damage prevented this way at the beginning of the next end step. Um, so it can prevent seven damage to you. It can prevent seven damage to any creature. Um, my thoughts are that these plus zero, plus one counters, while yes, outdated and hard to keep track of, um, really, really count for something in white. Um, you've got a lot of uh, butt beaters. Uh, you got your your uh, what's Doran? Doran is uh, Doran's ripe for the ripe for this card. Um, yes. And yeah. the fact that you're preventing seven means that the like and this is an instant means that your opponents are are just attacking into you without realizing uh how much more they need you know uh you you look at like doran who's a two five right uh and to prevent seven damage means that they need a 12 power creature or i guess a 12 toughness creature because doran it's symmetrical uh (laughs) to really kill doran or they need an eight power or eight toughness death toucher like they need so much more than you would think that you would need to actually get through with this um scars of the veteran yeah man so we talked about doran but just whenever any creature is swinging at you and you're going to see this a lot more in the late game because creatures get bigger in the late game you're absorbing that seven but it's not only that this is an instant where normally you sort of think it stops it once and then the next turn you have to deal with it again but in this case it leaves behind those counters so it's almost like an aura but it's an aura you can't just get rid of that easily because it's it's loading a creature up with with these plus zero plus one counters um couple things to keep in mind um it says prevent the next seven damage that would be dealt to any target this turn any target so that means planeswalker that means creature that means player that doesn't necessarily mean your creature your planeswalker or you you can do it you can save somebody else if you want to i, I always consider that and, and then you know very narrowly ever use it because it's pretty rare when you want to stop somebody from taking seven points of damage right that's you know it's one thing to start to to help them out with one or two but seven is a significant uh significant stoppage but it's just the card just has so much flexibility and um it's just and it's free um, yeah, you know, I mean, the cost of removing a white card in your hand from the game, or exiling an exiling a white card out of your hand. I mean, even force of will isn't that cheap. So, yeah. and in case you were wondering, yes, in fact, this is part of a cycle with force of will. Each color has one of these cards where you can cast it for free by discarding other cards in your hand. And uh, yes, I was the unlucky one that got that pulled three copies of these out of packs. <laughs> not a single force of will. 
course, at the time, I didn't understand that Force of Will was a good card, so it wouldn't have mattered anyway. I probably wouldn't have used it. But still, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, I think the thing to keep in mind here, obviously, if you haven't played one of these types of cards, is that uh, lands are colorless. So you it, you cannot pitch a, a land to... Right. Uh, to, yeah, to fuel a, a planes is not going to cut it. Yeah. Um, that said, a free a free spell is a free spell, um, and like beyond even preventing that seven, right? Um, the the fact that they're counters, like you said, uh, is is not is not minor um, because now you have something that is supremely defensed uh right and even if you're not playing like a doran deck like now you have like a really really good blocker <laughs> well, uh, it's so funny i i've had plenty of times when i've had the chance to play this uh when i put my one one bird in front of uh you know a seven seven trample now i've got a one eight bird that can stuff that seven seven trample every single turn yeah, and it's just miserable for the opponents because that it's got eight toughness, and that's going to be hard to hard to deal with. You're going to yeah. have to bounce that thing. You, you, you bounce it or use up a piece of removal on what was a one one creature. And I think that's uh, the thing, oh, that's, right? That's is tough. like is like you're you're playing against something with trample, and now your thing is always big enough, right? Uh, for those wondering, it's in 95 decks. So my Your first, first card, card. Yeah. is in significantly more than 96. My first card is in 216 decks on wow. EDH Rack. My card is Jabari's Influence. Uh, Jabari's Influence is 3 and 2 white. Uh, and it says, cast this spell only after combat. So not in the middle, not before after combat then it's second says, main gain... phase end step well then it says gain control of target non-artifact non-black creature that attacked you this turn oh. and put a minus one minus zero counter on it because we didn't get enough of the plus mm. zero plus one now we've got a minus zero minus one counter on smaller it. head smoother so, brain right so when can you play this card only after you've been attacked, because so not your, your turn, <laughs> right? Not your turn. Somebody else's turn. You can't play this if they attack somebody else, because it has to have attacked you this turn, not somebody else. Oh, and by the way, gain control of target non-artifact, non-black creature. <laughs> so if the creature's black or it's an artifact, no go. You can't get. You can't take control of it. Now, okay, so I just went through all the negatives on the card, and I assume those are the reasons that peop that there's only 216 intelligent people out there using it in their decks. The thing to remember is that when else does white get to take control of somebody's creature? It just doesn't happen. It is, yeah, it is even very rare. I mean, I can think of Preacher as another very old card that does it, and I'm confident there are prob there's probably some two color combination 
maybe a mm. blue white or or a white red card that allows you to take control of somebody's creature but this is one of those rare occasions when you can do that um and people are not going to be not going to be expecting this at all it really comes out of nowhere um, yeah the surprise factor on this thing is just huge when they when an opponent sees that you have five mana they're expecting you to play a flash creature or something else like they're thinking you have some kind of trick but they're certainly not thinking oh you're gonna take my creature that's not the way it goes um I look at this and I say to myself, this is a great surprise card when there is, a, when when the, there's one dominant creature on the board. So you look out over the board and you're thinking, that creature, that's the one that's the problem. And when that creature attacks you after combat, then you can use Jabari's influence. Yeah. The problem is, what happens in a board where there's more than one nasty creature? What happens when there's a, a Diluvian Primordial and a, uh, I don't know, take your, pick of, take your pick of big, ugly, nasty creatures? When there's multiple of them, when do you use this card? I yeah. Mean, in, the, in essence, you're probably going to use it on the first big creature that attacks you because then you get it and now you've got a blocker against all the other ones or or maybe a threat against the other ones jabari's influence is one of those cards when if there's only one t one powerful creature out there then yeah i'll keep it to myself and then i get control of that creature if there's a whole bunch i think i want to like oops accidentally reveal that <laughs> i've got jabari's influence in my hand yeah because i want ever i want my opponents to know i've got it i want them to all to know that all of your big creatures, first one swings at me, I'm taking it. Yeah. And then you won't have it, and I'll have a blocker. And then you're in the same situation I'm in now, except I have Jabari's influence. If people knew you had it, this would be such a great rattlesnake. You just, opponents are just constantly be leaving you alone because they don't want to swing at you because you can't use Jabari's influence. If it's if a, that creature goes after somebody else, I mean we're not playing blue or red here, where you can just you know take your pick of creature at whatever time you feel like. This is Jabari's influence. There's there's significant restrictions on this, but it also means that your opponents know if they want to if they want to poke the bear, mm. then they're going to get they're going to get the end of it. So I love the I just love the card and I love the. It's not completely wide open, but it it's just it's either going to surprise the hell out of people or, you know, hey, hopefully you've got a way to get it back into your hand from the graveyard and then everybody knows you've got it. So, yeah, um, it's it's definitely yeah, it you know, that's that's one of the the few downsides to instance or I guess non-permanence <laughs> in general. Right. Is like, right. <clears throat> especially with instance like the two are like oh like they tend to be expensive mana wise or uh they're just not rattlesnakes like you want them to be um right <clears throat> a lot of the ways that a that that you steal a creature from someone is with an aura mm. you put an aura on an opponent's creature you get control of that creature for however long the aura is on it but jabari's influence is not doesn't have that restriction so 
when you steal an opponent's creature with an aura, they can kill it, they can counter it, they can, uh, or they can disenchant it. Well, with Jabari's influence, they can kill it, they can counter your Jabari's influence, but they can't disenchant it. And that makes it just that little bit stronger than a lot of the auras that are out there that uh, that will steal an opponent's creature. Yeah, this is your this is your agent of treachery type stealing. Yes, uh, yeah. you get it, you get it for good. Yeah. Um, and uh, I can't believe you did this to us. You brought us a reserved list card, Bruce. What do you think, I'm Mister Moneybags over here? Yeah, yeah, Jabari's influence on the reserve list. Um, it's currently at a dollar sixty nine. That's nice. for a reserve list card, folks. Can we get a get good... them quick nice. before they boom? Yeah, I mean they brought Sidar back, right? With yes. with March of the Machine. Yeah. Um. But they didn't bring back his influence. He's, no. He's he's no uh, he's no content creator. He's no influencer. He's no influencer. Yeah. Not and not anymore. He's a. Uh, I got. He's. Eventually, somebody will show him TikTok, and maybe he'll get it back. Oh, man. Classic yeah. Jabari. Always a step ahead or behind. Not quite sure. Um, Neither. Andy, what's your next card? My next card is an instant surprise. What? It's white. <gasps> it's three and a white. Uh, it's called Spirit Flare. Tap target untapped creature you control. If you do, it deals damage equal to its power to target attacking or blocking creature and opponent controls. You could to go to go back to Jabari's influence. When can you play this? The answer is during combat, after attackers have been declared or after blockers have been declared, depending on whose turn it is and all these things. But it is a play during combat spell. Uh, it also has flashback for one and a white and pay three life. So. Unlike Jabari's influence, this can be a rattlesnake. Um, so, uh, where where do we start with this? First off, it's you can be attacking with, say, a vigilance creature, and then after attackers have been declared, or after defenders have been declared, um, blocking. Why am I losing language? Uh, after <laughs> blockers have been declared, uh, you can you can use this to essentially bite something. Punch it, bite, punch one of those ones. Not fight is the important part. Um, so say so you have like a really big creature you're attacking with, if it's got vigilance or is for some reason untapped after blockers have been declared, here you go. Or just straight up, if it's not in combat, if the creature you are targeting is not in combat, uh, but you know your opponent's blocking or attacking creature is, then great, you can use it then as well. Uh, it is more flexible than this card lets on. Uh, you can you can do a bunch of crazy stuff with just the fact that the creatures can can be in combat and still untapped. Uh, so Andy, I will say, um, this is one of these cards that got a little bit worse because of the rules changes, because it used to be, say, if you were, if you, if you were blocking, mm -hmm. so you'd be blocking with your creature. And then if your creature was tapped, 
it removed it from combat. Hmm. So it meant that this would be a card where you can block, and then before damage, you would play Spirit Flare, tap your untapped blocker. It would deal damage equal to its power to, to a target attacking or blocking creature, so the, one of the attacking creatures, and it would drop out of combat, so it would take no damage itself. That's wild. Yeah, so that was... You know, so, so you're sort of getting a double situation, and yes, the creature's still blocked, so it wouldn't do any damage, it would have nothing to do damage to. However, now, if you block with your creature and you tap it, it's, get, it's going to do the damage thanks to Spirit Flare, but it's also going to take damage anyway. Yeah. However, the thing to keep in mind with Spirit Flare is that it doesn't have to be the creature that you were blocking. Mm. It no. can be any attacking or blocking creature. It's great. Right. I mean, just because you could, you know, you can apply that damage and double up on another, cre- double up on another creature. Um, you can, you know, you can, you can flip things around and do it however you want. And like Andy's already said, you can do it to a creature that isn't actually in combat. Uh, no, you, you, your creature doesn't have to be in combat. Right, that's Their what I creature mean. does, yeah. Yes, um, so yeah, you can do the damage, but you don't even have to declare it as a blocker. So, And the cool thing, too, is that, un- <laughs> not, not to keep comparing things to Jabari's influence, yeah. but unlike Jabari's influence, where the creature had to attack you, this... The creature, the blocking or attacking creature, doesn't have to be in combat with you at all. Like, it, like, say, player two yeah. and player four are one of them's attacking the other. You can get your creature in there to punch somebody and really change up things. Right. I mean, this just messes with 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 your opponent's combat math terribly. Because yeah, you can do something to the you know get basically gang up with one of your opponent's mm. creatures to take out another creature take out another big troublesome creature it's super nice the other thing i really like about it yeah i had mentioned that the flashback gives it somewhat of a uh what was it rattlesnake yes kind of deal definitely you can just do it twice granted not on the same creature because you have to tap an untapped yeah. creature but uh you can do it in rapid succession. Uh, what's your next one, Bruce? My next one. Oh, yeah. For those uh, who didn't know, that was in 61 decks. Perfect. My next card? Mm-hmm. One mana. One mana. Not as good as free. One. Not as good as free, but one mana. Uh, piety Charm. Uh, so Piety Charm says, here are your three options. You can destroy target aura attached to a creature. Target soldier creature gets plus two, plus two until the end of the turn. And you, you need to be playing soldiers for that to be effective. Yeah. Or something I like will... uh, the feather, like a feather yeah. type. Yeah. I will say that I have run this in decks that didn't have any soldiers in it because I still felt it was worthwhile. The third ability is creatures you control gain vigilance until the end of the turn. So couple things to consider. First off, one mana. One mana is so easy to hide. You, you, it's, this is not Jabari's influence where you're holding up five mana, where your mm. opponent knows something has to be coming. 
this is one mana. Maybe you just didn't have a way to spend it. Yeah. Um, or So they're not expecting this at all. Yeah. Or they're expecting, you know, something like uh, your swords or your path, you know. Could be. But um, the options that you get on this, of the three, I would default more towards vigil- more towards using the vigilance option. And yes, I understand if you're giving your creatures vigilance, you don't really need this to be an instant. <laughs> but um, I, I, the other options, the, the other options are much better with 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 uh, with the card being an instant. Oh, but for sure. I just think that in virtually every game where you're going to play this card, you are going to have multiple white creature, multiple creatures on your side of the battlefield, and the ability that on your, any one of your turns you can suddenly give your creatures vigilance, which means they can attack and they're still around to defend because we've all run into board states where you could swing in and do a decent amount of damage, but the, the kickback is going to be really bad because you're now, un, you're now undefended. This card just stops that. This card just says, okay, look, take your swing and you've still got defenses. Um, that's the power of vigilance is constantly underplayed in multi in multiplayer games. And yeah, Andy, you and I have talked about this. I don't know how many times, but yeah, um, I mean, you know, it's it's you're you're getting a blocker, sure, but it's not right. just a blocker. You're getting essentially three blockers because yes. you're blocking from each opponent. Right. Um, and to be able to attack, or you know, we've talked about this before. Use an activated ability that requires tapping is like super useful in post combat situations. Um, it's uh, giving giving all of your creatures vigilance, especially mm-hmm. in white, is excellent because yes. a lot of a lot of white strategies are go wide rather than go tall. Right. Um, so you're just no. getting like with the addition of each creature, you're just getting more and more value out of a single white mana. Yes, out of single white mana. As much as I play up the vigilance, I don't want to downplay destroy target aura attached to a creature. Mm. Um, a lot of times, that aura is something that somebody else has put on your creature, whether mm. it's to stop them from attacking or blocking, or somebody has stolen one of your one of your precious creatures. And they're holding on to it with with an aura. Uh, you you resolve both of those situations, and if that's not happening, um, there are enough enchantress decks running around where people yeah. are just using enchantments. I mean, you know, you, it's like no, we're seeing a lot of runes lately. We're seeing yeah. uh, things like all the glitters. Where you get a plus one plus one for each artifact and or enchantment you control, so like mm-hmm. that will just immensely screw up combat for your opponent if you hold on to this until combat. Like they, like they they shouldn't be expecting a one mana disenchant on their right. all like glitters or uh, any umbra. They're screwed because they are expecting right. that like that they're expecting their thing to live but if you get rid of it before yeah. damage then like they're just attacking into something that's going to kill their creature right so yeah so piety charm uh, plenty of it's flexibility great. here plenty of options um obviously 
soldier decks or something that, that you're going to want to strongly consider for this. Yeah. Uh, Piety Charm is in 126 decks on Wow. Yep. Comes in at a whopping quarter. Wow. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with two more each. So that's four, as you can see here. One, two, three, four. Um, and uh, when we get, yeah, when we get back, we're, we're each going to have two more. What, how, how else can I say this? Uh, we got more of the good stuff coming your way right after the break. Four more of the gore blower. Blower. Anyway, uh, we'll be right back. This episode of Temple of False Pod is brought to you by Commander Isha, a 2-4 with flying and protection from creatures. Commander Isha is a wonderful, powerful card against creatures. Instant, re- instant speed removal? Maybe not so much. Commander Isha, Guys vulnerable, to, vulnerable to swords. This episode of Temple of False Pod is brought to you by Master of Ceremonies. You get a card. You get a citizen. You get a treasure. The nicest rhino in the multiverse is back for more. He's completely selfless, that's for sure. Don't look too hard at it. Now back to you. <laughs> so Andy, we left off with piety charm. Mm-hmm. What do you got? I got two more. That's that's what I got. Um, my next one uh, may come as a surprise because it's surprise deployment uh for three and a white you may cast this spell only during combat we really like these combat centric cards right apparently apparently we do. i do uh put a, put a put a non-white creature card from your hand onto the battlefield at the beginning of your next of the next end step return that creature to your hand return it only if it's on the battlefield sure uh, so it's kind of like, uh, what's the red enchantment? Uh, sneak attack. It's like sneak attack, except you can only do it during combat. Right, and it doesn't provide haste. Yeah. So a lot of these are going to be, a lot of the times you're going to use this as defensive, of course. Um, but the thing that this does let you do is say you have a creature that's more than four White is a color, a, a big color. I'd say one of the two main colors that this effect is in, flicker. Uh, so during combat, flicker out your, or yes. I mean, surprise deployment out your, uh, I don't know, uh, something big, um, non-white Great. creature. So Your Diluvian Primordial, your Grave Titan. Yeah, there you go. Uh I only play white creatures, so I don't I don't know what this would be helpful sure, with. So sure. uh <laughs> um Your your massive dragon. Mm. Thank you. It is massive. Um and then, you know, your second main phase, it comes around and you know, you've got your conjurer's closet, you've got your ephemerate, you've got your uh flicker of fate, is that what it's called? Uh you got your flicker remember. wisp that will Take it off the battlefield, exile it, and then bring it back, whether, you know, instantly or whatever. Um, and now it's a new thing, so it doesn't have to uh, go back to your hand. Um, 
And then obviously, if you want to do this as defensive, it comes right back. Yep. Uh, which is sometimes helpful, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's going to be times when you want to bring it back to your hand, but um, I think realistically, I think what you've just described is really the way you want to play a surprise deployment. Cheating mm. um, <clears throat> things out. Again, yeah. You, I mean, you can play it on your turn, but I would still prefer to play it on an opponent's turn just so that it is there to block. Mm. And then you can do the flicker aspect afterwards. Um, the other thing to keep in mind, it does say non-white. This is this is not a mono-white deck kind of card. You yeah. want you really want to run with something else. Um, Unless you run a lot know, of artifact creatures, I guess. A lot of artifact, yeah, artifact creatures will work too. I mean, I guess if you're looking to get your mirror battle sphere out. Oh yeah. Um, you know, drop it out there, get your mirror, have your battle sphere, do the block, flicker the battle sphere, it leaves, comes back, you get four more mirror, and the battle sphere stays. Yeah, this is super That's helpful. Really, to kind get, of the way you want to go to get those extra ETBs. Um, it's yeah, it's it's fine. Is honestly what this card is, but it is in eighty three decks, which is criminally low uh, for right. the the cheaty shenanigans that it is. Yes, um, I think a lot of it too happens with the fact that it's four mana. Um, yeah, but like I mean. The things that you're going to want to cheat out are going to be more than four. Your Atali's, your, you know. Yes. These these are like six mana, seven mana creatures that you want to just go, bam! Uh, for four mana at instant speed. It's great. I got nothing else to say about this card. I know no, how I... mediocre it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, honestly, the four mana is the only issue. I think if this was three mana, this would be outstanding. Um, but even at four mana, like I said, if you're doing the flicker package, then surprise deployment is great. Um, I could see it working really well in a blue-white deck. I mean, with a Brago-style kind of, mm. uh, you know, th- th- that sort of cards. So it's, uh, might, it may be the way to go if that's what you're looking at. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, it being four just means that it doesn't happen as early as it could. Right. Uh, but, you know, make sure you get your 40 lands and you'll be hitting this on curve. Right. Um, yeah. Card number three, Bruce. Number three. Um, three for the. Mentioned, we mentioned a little bit about how uh, the downside of a lot of the instants that, that they just don't have that rattlesnake. Uh, they're a surprise. But then they're gone, and you don't really get that that extra benefit, which, I mean, we like Rattlesnake cards in multiplayer because there's so many opponents that oftentimes dealing with just one person's creature or one target doesn't do a whole lot for everything else. So uh, my next card is is Allay. Uh, Allay is one in a white, and it says destroy target enchantment. But the real part of this one is that it has a buyback of three. Now, what buyback is, It's buyback means you can pay an additional, in this case three, as you cast the spell. If you do, put this card into your hand as it resolves. So, instead of paying two to destroy an enchantment, you're going to pay five. Mm. You target the enchantment, 
when it's destroyed, a lay comes back to your hand, where you can cast it again and again and again for as much mana as you have or choose to have. Um, you can still cast it for only two, but then you don't get the buyback and it goes to the graveyard. So it's just something to keep in mind. Um, the part I liked about this is that you cast it the first time, and from there on in, your opponents are on, are on notice. I can destroy any enchantment that comes onto the battlefield. Do you really want to put an enchantment onto the battlefield? This isn't a case of a disenchant or a and grip, where I play my enchantment, it's kind of good, but I have a much better artifact or enchantment coming up behind, and I just want to draw out the removal. So somebody plays their and grip, like, good, it's gone now, now <laughs> I can play the card that I actually care about. Allay doesn't let you get away with that. It's sitting in my hand. So it doesn't matter how many enchantments you've got. You play the first one out, I'm like, yeah, it's not that bad, but eh, it's the worst thing out there. I'll pay my five. I'm going to destroy that enchantment. Mm. And then it's back in my hand waiting for your next enchantment. So it's really hard to work around. Um, and it strongly discourages everybody at the table from playing any enchantments. And that's where you want to be with this card. Yeah. I mean, we've talked a lot about uh, the rattlesnake effect of some of these cards. Yeah. Uh, and the buyback is the thing that makes this a rattlesnake in in most cases. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about with rattlesnakes, go listen to our episode about uh, animals. Um, but basically, it 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 makes your opponents aware that you there is a threat somewhere. Um, right. And... I mean, you know, this this is clutch against enchantment. Uh, it en- is enchantress huge, decks. Huge against enchantress decks. Now, and the nice thing uh, here, okay. the nice thing here is that, like you, like if you find out that none of your opponents are playing like that many enchantments, you can use it once for two mana and then be done with it. You know, like you don't have to worry about necessarily always paying the five. It is that flexible. Right. Um, when you consider like Smothering Tithe Ristic Study um, Smuggler's Share to some extent um, just these are these are the kind of enchantments that show up in practically every white deck or every blue deck is running are running these cards this is not going to be a dead card in hand and honestly, even even if I don't think people are running that many enchantments, pay the five, cast it, get rid of that enchantment. Yeah. And then have it sitting in your hand. Because from there on in, nobody's playing an enchantment. Unless the enchantment offers them some kind of benefit when it hits the battlefield, there's no point in playing it because you can just get rid of it. Five mana is not cheap to get rid of an to get rid of an enchantment. However, you can hold on to this until the end of your last opponent's turn. It's an instant. So you can play it whenever you want. Mm. So save it until then. In the meantime, if something else comes up and you need to play some, some other card or do something else, use the mana for that. It's That level of flexibility just means that you're not throwing that mana away at the end of the turn. You get yeah. to use it. You, you um, can really and, use this as like a mana sink in terms of like... Yes. 
like I I'd be fine if I didn't get rid of this, but like because I have the mana, I don't want to waste it. So you just go right. um, thing the biggest thing to keep in mind here is that if uh say uh somebody has uh an enchantment that they can sacrifice mm-hmm. uh like your outsides yes. of life's bounty, be yes. very careful because they will sacrifice mm-hmm. it, it in response, Allay will fizzle and go to the graveyard. Because right. this has to be because buyback says it goes into your hand as it resolves. Uh, so just just be very wary right. of so those it types has, of things. Yeah, exactly. So it has to resolve. So if somebody counters your, your LA, it goes to the graveyard. You don't get it back. Yeah. If somebody has a way to sacrifice their enchantment, you don't get it back if the enchantment's not there. It goes to the graveyard and you paid five. Or even, you know, they, they somehow make it untargetable. Um, right. Yes. Or indestructible. Any yeah. anything that prevents it for, prevents the spell from resolving causes it to go to the graveyard. So, when you are burning around and burning up other people's enchantments, keep that in mind. A lot of times, the best way to do this is to pick off that Phyrexian arena, or uh, or some or something the red players got. Because mm-hmm. then they, because they're the ones who are least likely to be able to get rid of that card. Hmm. You take it out, and then have it sitting in your hand, and then you can make threatening gestures to the ones that you can't really deal with, but they don't necessarily know that. So you can, you know, you play it up, work it around, and uh, and do do your best. I I really think this card is best as the best with the rattlesnake option. So mm, for sure, um, it's just something to think about. And Alay is in. 437 decks. That's like decks to nothing. Yes. In fact, <laughs> said it, it is weirdly, 0%. But it's 0% um, of decks. So we each have one more card. Yes. So my next one is going to be off balance. For a single white mana, instant, target creature cannot attack or block this turn. Uh, yeah, so, um, you're going to want to do this before it attacks or blocks. <laughs> uh, yes. so again, it's another combat-centric instant, um, but for a single white mana, you completely screw up their, their, their combat math. Yeah. Uh, because either they were planning on attacking you with, you know, the full force and you get rid of their biggest thing, or say... They attacked. Now it comes to your turn. They still have, say, like two creatures up because they want to block your menace thing. Bam, off balance. Now your menace thing can get through unblocked. Like, uh, yeah. It there's there's. Uh, we could spend the next hour talking about specific scenarios where like off balance would be so good, uh, because sometimes. People only leave up one creature to block because they're like meh, like. Uh, yes. And Andy, you already mentioned this. I mean, it's an instant. So you can do this on an opponent's turn. Mm-hmm. That No, no, your creature does not get to attack. I don't want it hitting anybody. Mm. Or you can do it on another opponent's turn. Yeah. John? Harry's creature can't block this turn. Wink, get wink. Get the hint. <laughs> get the hint. I mean, you don't even have to, like, hint so. at it. You could just be like, hey, I'll make sure that doesn't block if... Uh... 
the attack. If you swing that way, yes. Uh, but, um, and something I was thinking about, something we're seeing a little more recently. Um, now, I'm not saying this is a reason to play off balance, but there is a time when it could come up. There's a lot more goad hmm. running around in games lately. Um, so if you find that one of your creatures is goaded, playing off balance on your own creature, saying that it can't attack, overrides the goad. Yeah. Because goad is, it can. attacks if possible. Yes. And in this case, it's not possible. <laughs> so you get to keep your creature, and it doesn't tap the creature. It just, mm. the creature now sits there, and you now have a blocker that your opponent who gave it goad in the first place wasn't expecting you to have. And honestly, neither were the rest of your opponents. So... You know, I don't know how that's often like, that's going to be useful, but it's something that's out there. I mean, in that goad scenario too, like that's super useful because usually people are goading other people's creatures so that they can then get in behind the forces, like yes. get in while everything's tapped. But if you have, if you you know, off balance your creature, then great. Yeah, um, Andy, I like this one. One more, like Bruce. One. You bet. Uh, oh, how many decks? Oh, 29. Less 29 than 30. Decks. Less than the less than Ridiculous. either of our ages. Ridiculous. Added together. All right. Last card. Samite ministration. Oh. Samite ministration costs 1 and a white. And it reads prevent all damage that would be dealt to you this turn by a source of your choice. Whenever damage from a black or red source is prevented this way, you gain that much life. Couple things to keep in mind. You don't get to prevent damage to anybody else. Nope. It's damage to you. Not damage to your creature is stopped. No, 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 no. You don't get to protect your creatures that way. You protect yourself. And it's all damage that we do to you by a source, not all the attacking creatures, mm -hmm. just one. However, it is a source. The word so doesn't target have to be doesn't come up, and the word target doesn't come up. So, oh. uh, so you can uh, so if a, a creature with with hexproof or shroud is the one swinging in, you can prevent all damage from that source because you're not. It doesn't say prevent all damage from target, whatever. It just says a source. So, you're good to go now. Obviously, the life gain is supposed to, is the big kicker part of this. And when you're talking, when you look at it, it means that forty percent of the time, you're going to be looking at black or red damage coming your way. Mm. So, and when you consider a commander game, odds are at least one of those players is going to be playing black or red. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the odds are good that two, at least two of those players are going to be playing black and or red. So. Um, I don't think that this is as as niche as it as it looks. Um, I also think people need to remember that we're not just talking about the preventing the damage. So if somebody swings in with that five five dragon, you prevent the damage that the dragon does, but then you're also gaining the life. So you're not just preventing five; you're preventing five and gaining five. It's a ten point life swing mm. based on what this two mana instant has just done this is nothing to laugh at i it it's good and when you think about um 
thinking about double strike creatures, the damage is there. It's from that source. It just comes in twice. Uh, you can you can do both. What I what I like about this card is if you think about it in terms of say deflecting palm. So this is clearly half of deflecting yeah. palm, or I guess it's it's a mono white version of deflecting palm because deflecting palm. Yeah takes takes that one source of damage and pushes it back at its controller um and then with this you're just absorbing it and taking it on as life gain right um but like how many games have you seen deflecting palm win the game right like somebody somebody is like oh i'm gonna win the game because i'm hitting you for 30 damage with this spell or with this creature they use deflecting palm and it goes right back at them and then they die but what if that person then has this Samite ministration? They're just gaining yeah. that life instead. Like it's right. it's like deflecting palm into Samite ministration and just mm-hmm. the most absurd thing for two mana. Uh, it's honestly easier to cast than deflecting palm, um, and like it sure is, it's not and- progressing the board state as far, but like. It's also yeah. a different oh. card. <laughs> and I don't even mind saying it. Uh, Deflecting Palm is a better card than the right. Samite Ministration. But Deflecting Palm, you need to be running red and white. Samite Ministration goes into mono white, goes into white and any other color. It doesn't matter. Mm. Um, it just, it, it's, it, it can go in way more decks than Deflecting Palm can. And if you're running Deflecting Palm, maybe you do want to run Samite Administration as well. I mean, yeah, no, it doesn't flick that damage back at them and finish them, but it can smack you up into a, into a pretty high life total if your opponent yeah. is, you know, coming in with that big swing. Something else, finally, the one of the last pieces that I wanted to talk about was Samite Administration. Two mana, it's just not that hard to keep it open. It's just mm. not. No. I mean... Yeah, you can, you can make this work in your favor, um, and it will come out of nowhere on your opponents. They are not going to be expecting Samite Ministration. Who would? So, this card is in 113 decks. Wow. Yeah. That's even less than before. Right. The other one. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, that's... It, that's the four I've got. That's the four you've got. Yes. I think it's time to start wrapping up. Uh, now, right. now, you audience member out there can see the beauty of Temple's Treasure. I'm going to have a, a link. I'm going to have a playlist linked below uh, of all of our Temple's Treasures of Past in the description. Okay. So go check that out. Um we we love old weird cards that that have niche cases. I mean, I think that's that's the thing to keep in mind here is that some of these cards are extremely niche. I mean, Scars of the Veteran probably doesn't belong in every white deck, but like there there's some yeah. there's some there's some cases that it it absolutely is a house. It's a beating. Like yeah. Um, Each of these, well, if it's not, if we're talking about decks or cards that are in as few decks as they as these are on EDH rec, 
obviously there there we're we are showing you cards that are going in very specific decks yeah and you know and they're solid in those decks i'm not going to pretend that um scars of the veteran scars of the veteran is not one of the top five cards that goes in a doran deck it's just not but it's certainly good enough to be in a doran deck in most doran decks even in most doran decks and it's definitely something to consider sound administration again i mean for some for some of your you know if you're uh, if you're building the deck in a certain way that you're not that you're not really that concerned about you know about damage getting through maybe that's what you're looking for in your deck then yeah semi administration is not going to do a whole lot for you but um, otherwise these are all cards and I mean this for all the temples treasures these tend to be cards that go into very specific decks or are you know this is the 50th card in your deck mm. the 55th card in your deck um, these are a little a little lower down on the a little lower on the, uh, the popularity poll, but um, I guarantee uh, you play these cards. Your opponent is going to pick that card up and go, "What does that? What is that?" They're not going to know, and that's kind of, well, I mean, that's a big part of the fun of commanders. So. Yeah. Um, if you find another niche case for any of these cards, whether it's in this episode or any of our Temple's Treasure episodes, yes. feel free to leave a comment below. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, I mean, if you really want to, you can email us, but, you know, not the easiest way to get to somebody. Uh, and, uh, yeah, hang out for the rest of the season. We've got six more episodes on this fine, fine season 11. And let me tell you now, some of them are going to be pretty special. Uh, we got, yeah, we got a, we got a loaded, a loaded season for you, uh, coming up and we're already on episode four, almost halfway there. Um, (laughs) but, uh, thank you so much for hanging out. We're Temple of False Pod. We're decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. And, uh... Thank you again for listening. Thank you for taking us into your mind holes and uh, letting us make make nest. Um, share us with your friends. Like, comment, subscribe, all that stuff. Play some magic for me. And may your fifth land be the temple. Bye! Wait, wait. Before you go, I uh, just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at manaburned and I'm at andyweekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, Like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!